week of, uh, I can say clearly now, from, creation, from Control to Creation series. And uh, yeah, today, tonight I'm going to be talking about our call. And so the first week we looked at Genesis 1 and 3 and looked at creation and how um, uh, we looked at our desires and how uh, Adam and Eve saw wisdom for their own eyes and they chose to take it in their own eyes and, and rather than submitting that to God. And then last week we looked at our relationships and the sad story of, of Abraham, Sarah and Hagar and um, yeah, the abuse of what it looks like when humans take our relationships into our own hands and um, yeah, uh, how God calls us to submit that to him. But this week we're looking at our call and um, kind of where we're, where we're going in life. What are we doing with our lives? And uh, we're going to be looking at Genesis 22. Um, so if you have a Bible, why don't you open it, just because our screen might, you know, blank on and off here and there, who knows. Why, but if you have it in front of you, then you could read along with us. Um, and so uh, as we looked at last week, Abraham and Sarah uh, had, uh, had this promise of you're going to have an inheritance. You're going to have a child who is going to be a blessing and it's going to bless the whole world through your family. Uh, and we looked at how uh, it wasn't working for them. It wasn't going to the plan. It, you know, there'd been many years that passed and they still had not had a son. And so they took action into their own hands um, with Hagar, their servant slave, uh, and that did not end well for them. But then the moment came where Abraham and Sarah had their own son, Isaac, and things were going to plan. It was all happening. Yes, this, this promise, this thing that you want us to do, God, it's, it's happening. We're, we're going along with it. This is, this is, this is good days ahead. Uh, and then here we are in Genesis 22 with this promised son, this amazing story that um, we're reading. So it says from verse 1, After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together, which I don't know how Abraham carries the fire. I looked at other translations, right? Anyway, I just, uh, that just that was that curiosity came to me today. I didn't have time to look into it, but anyway, uh, so that the two of them walked on together, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, "Father," and he said, "Here I am, son, my son." He he said, "The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering?" Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on, the t on top of the wood. 
Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Now this, this word here, provide, is actually the same word that you see in Genesis 1 and Genesis 3. The same word that is said for see. That exact same word in Hebrew is this word provide. So another translation uh, says the Lord will see, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, uh, the Lord shall see. Here we have this statement here, the same words, God We'll see. He saw what is good from the beginning. He said what was good. He called creation and, and said, yes, this is good. But then humans decided to see in their own eyes what was good and take for that for themselves. But here again, a moment, a moment where Abraham has a choice to sacrifice his son. But then at the, the last moment, God provides. And that moment is him seeing, seeing the situation and providing. It continues in verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gates of their enemies and by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves because... You have obeyed my voice. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let me just pray before we get into this. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. Thank you that we can learn what it means to trust in you, that you speak to us here tonight. God, I pray that our hearts would be open to hear your voice calling us and leading us and guiding us in whatever we're going through here tonight. I pray that your spirit would strengthen us in our inner beings and that we uh, may see you, Jesus, afresh in all our lives. Help us to submit our heart's desires, our call to you. Lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we are in the scripture, this moment where uh, it is prefaced, this story here, at the very beginning. It says, A uh, God was testing Abraham. So this is the preface. This is not an expectation that God actually just wants to kill uh, Abraham's son. He was actually just seeing where Abraham was at. He knew. He had the plan set out all along. And he, he says, Abraham, go to this place, this place called Moriah. And this place uh, actually, again, comes from the root word see. This is all in the Bible, guys. This is happening that this is from, the again, the root word see. You need to go to the place where God sees. You need to go to that mountain. And there's one other time that this place is mentioned in the Bible, and that was the, the mountain of which uh, Solomon, King Solomon, built the temple. 
that amazing moment in Israelites' history where they finally got to build a temple for the Lord. That mountain of which it was built was the same mountain of Moriah. It's like God was saying, go to that place where my presence is. Go to that place where it's sacred and important, where I see and I can help and bring creation life into your world. Go to that place and I want you to sacrifice something. I want you to give up your son. You know that promise that I gave to you, that you're going to be an amazing blessing, that your inheritance, your family is going to be so numerous than more than the stars. It's going to bring blessing to this earth. Well, I want you to kill your son. What? Yeah, that's right. I want you to kill that sacrifice, uh, that, that promise. I want you to lay that down and to submit to me. So here is a story being created, a theme throughout the Bible, a story of surrender, a story of obedience, a story where on the third day on a mountain, a son was going to be sacrificed, a story where God sees us and he provides. A story and a theme that is a thread throughout the scriptures. But the call is, will we trust him? Will we trust him? That is our call. That's what we see in this story is, uh, yes, God will provide, but will we trust him? He is leading us to a call of obedience. He is leading us to a call of surrender, what we know, but will we trust him? And just like Abraham, our call, our destiny is wrapped up in a call to see that God sees God provides. God is trustworthy. We can trust and believe that he has the best in, interest in for us, that he provides for us, and he sees us in our need. So our call is wrapped up. What we want to do out in the future is wrapped up in our ability to see that God sees. Will we trust that he sees the thing is, the story uh, hasn't looked pretty thus far. Abraham and Sarah have done, made, made some mistakes, as we saw last week. They, they have done some things that aren't great. But this is Abraham's moment right here. This story was his moment. God was testing him to see where his heart was really at. Will you trust me? This is his moment to shine, to go, you know what? God, I'm going to trust you. Even though this doesn't make sense, even though this is against what I believe you want to do for my life, I'm going to trust you you and so we there are moments like this for us all the time moments of decision and uh it can be you know just a small thing a small moment of us going god i trust you i'm going to step out and believe in you Uh, but we're not always going to get it right that's not that's not the the thing is not just getting everything right because if we see the story of abraham and sarah didn't they didn't get everything right a lot of the time but this one moment abraham did it he trusted he believed that god He could get him through this. That God was in control. That God would see and he would provide. And so we have moments like this for us. Moments of decision. Moments that uh, force us to go, will we obey and will we trust? Um, Because there are, it's so easy to just trust ourselves. So often. And we all go through this. Moments where we're just trusting ourselves. We hear an inkling of God. He's wanting us to step out here, but... I don't know if I can do that. I'm going to just trust and just 
take a foot a step back because I don't know if I can trust if that's really what God wants me to do. But he's calling us to continue to trust him. As uh, Mark Sayers, here's my weekly Mark Sayers quote. It says, uh, Through a combination of negligence, disobedience, impatience, and discontent with God's rule, lack of trust and rebellion, Adam and Eve chose their human-powered vision of progress. They risk it all in a quest to discover a divine presence within themselves. Cast out from, of God's presence, they find nothing, only the taste of bitter fruit. See, our culture is longing. Our culture is longing for the next human-powered vision of progress. Get these, these words, the, the human-powered vision of progress. We're seeking after progress, looking for what's next, looking for what's best for us. We're seeking out for progress, but in our own way, distinct from God's presence. We're looking for progress without His presence. But what God is continuing to do in our lives is to call us back to see that as we push after progress, as we believe for things in our lives, we want to do that in His presence. We want to be found by His presence. But the culture is continually pushing us to have our own human-powered vision of progress, wrapping up in our own way of doing things rather than what God wants to do. And this is, you can see this so, so much throughout our world. And even, uh, I've got a good friend who um, went to this business conference. And in, at the conference, there was this, this big keynote speaker who uh, was, uh, was talking about mental health and in the business realm. And, and she was sharing about three things that prevent burnouts in the business and corporate world. And these three things... Were, were biblical things. These three things are grounded and founded in the Bible. Where number one was fasting. There's this big craze about intermittent fasting. I'm doing it, so it's, it's good. It's, it's a good thing. I like it. But there's this big kind of, yeah, come on, fasting is cool. It's good for you. It's all this stuff. Uh, and they have all this science behind it that it helps your brain and do, do things and stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. Guys, I'm an expert when it comes to intermittent fasting. Clearly, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, that was number one. Number two was gratitude. That uh, there's this in, the insular part of your brain which has empathy and compassion and love. Uh, uh, that that part of your brain can grow with just 30 seconds of gratitude every day. And there's this science again behind how uh, when we're grateful and uh, when we actually even just take a time out to be grateful for our lives, uh, there's things, there's chemicals, then there's things in our brain that actually there's, it grows. There's, we actually become better people and we, we appreciate life. Uh, and so that's gratitude. Number three was meditation. And, and there's that big uh, swing for self-care to, to uh, get into meditation and how important it is. There's, you know, uh, very popular apps of Headspace and how good it is for our mental health to actually have time out and to meditate. Again, all these things, they're, they're great things, but uh, we're actually trying to push for these things. These are three things that prevent burnout. We're trying to push for them in our own progress. Again, the world is trying to take the kingdom cultures, the cultures that have been around for centuries throughout the Israelites, throughout the Christian uh, uh, world, and they're trying to use them for themselves and just push their own agenda, looking for the next craze, looking for that next fix. What's that next thing that will make me a better person? What's that next thing that I can get 
looking for that human-powered vision of progress without realizing that it's actually his presence that transforms us, without realizing that actually when we are pushing for progress, apart from his presence, it is always limited. It is always, you can only get so much out of that progress when it is apart from his presence. The way that God had called these things, these amazing things to be, is in his presence, to be found where he has called us. The thing is, this is subtle. It's not in your face. No one's saying you're running on your own human-powered vision of progress. No one's telling you that. These are subtle little things that go on in our lives of we just kind of are taking life into our own hands. We're taking uh, our areas of life and just, I'm just going to push my own way. I'm going to do my own thing without actually trusting and, and asking God and allowing his presence to impact my decisions, impact my choices. And we need to keep coming back to that place of allowing God to speak into our life. Even just this week, uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Emma, um, shared something at a pastor's uh, meeting that we had, uh, and she said that our culture has preoccupied itself with self-care to the point where it's an idol. It's our everything. That that's where our culture is at, that we're just seeking after self-care, that we just want to uh, push after our own vision of progress. But then uh, Pastor M also talked about how we're actually called to have soul care. We're actually called to be in a place where we allow God's presence to impact who we are, to allow his presence to transform us and change us, not just push after what self-care looks like. And there is so much idolization in our culture to be the best mum or be the best dad or be the best business person or have this or that. There is this push towards how we look and how we show ourselves out to the world. But God is calling us to continue to submit to him, surrender who we are, to actually allow him to speak to us and to transform us by his presence, by who he is. And even for me this week, even for me, I, uh, I was on Tuesday just thinking about things for this church um, because I like to think about things for this church. And uh, I was just trying to strategize what are some key ways that I can do some different things and, and looking at it. Uh, I want to help you guys. Like that's, uh, that's Michaela and I's goal is to help you guys, to help you guys catch what we're, we're preaching, to help you uh, live that during the week and to actually help transform this community. That's what we want to do. And so, we're, you know, I was strategizing, thinking of some things, and I spent a, a big part of the day just thinking and, and trying to unpack this thing, and I felt stuck. I felt like, oh, it's not really happening. It's not really kind of clicking and gelling. And um, that night, Tuesday night, I um, uh, had some space. Uh, Michaela fell asleep at like 8 o'clock or something, and so pregnant life, you know. Um, uh, I had some space, and I was just, just went to pray, and uh, I felt God just, just say, get, you know, get on your knees before me. And so I was there just praying on my knees and just going, God, come on, help me. Give me your wisdom. Help me see what you want to do for this community, for these people. And I just felt God bring to my mind. He just said, get out of your head and go after my heart. And there was just this amazing moment where I was just like, just getting stuck 
in doing what I felt was right. We're doing what I wanted to see and just trying to strategize for myself. This is, you know, it was a good thing. I don't think, you know, strategizing isn't a bad thing, but I just got stuck in a rut. We're just trying to figure out it out on my own. We're just trying to figure out what God wanted to do by my own strength and by my own wisdom. And I felt God just go, get out of your head and go after my heart. And there was just this amazing moment where I was like, wow, God, I, I repent. I'm sorry. Help me. And, th- and that led to, to a clearer picture of something. That led to, to helping me identify something in a, in a different way that I'd never seen before. Uh, and obviously there's so many steps that still need to happen in that. And the whole picture wasn't just mapped out for me. But there was this amazing moment where God just showed me, hey, it's okay. You can trust me. Hey, I see you. I can provide for you. Will you trust me? Will you lean into my strength? Will you lean into my wisdom and get out of your own head and go after my heart? That is his call, to allow his presence to impact our progress, to surrender where we believe we're going, the, the impact that we want to have in our, in our businesses, in our family, in whatever sphere of life that God is calling us into. He's calling us to continue to submit to Him, to allow His presence to impact it. God's call is, is for us to have progress fueled by His presence. That's his call for us, to have progress, to see and advance things in this world, but to be fueled by his presence, to be fueled by his life and by the ability of seeing as he sees. And see, it's, it's important for us to consider our call. It's important for us to actually take a time to consider what we believe God has called us and where he is uh, his, his, you know, wanting us to impact in Life. The, it's important to stop and think about the kind of people we want to become. But I believe God is continually wanting us to submit all of this, continue to find ourselves in His presence and allow what we see, the picture that we see. Abraham, you're going to have an inheritance. This is your son. It's going to be an amazing blessing. That is the picture that he sees. But God is continually calling us to submit that to Him to allow him to, uh, to shape that, to allow him to actually paint the picture for us, not to just go ahead and go, yeah, we're going for it. Well, now we've got our son, we're going for it. No, to actually continue keep laying that before him and allowing him to create and paint the picture that, of what he wants to do in our lives. So will we surrender our ideal, what we think is best, and allow him to shape it, allow him to mold it and make it what he wants for our lives. And like it said, it says in Genesis, uh, at the end of that, that story, it said, uh, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of their enemies. And by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves because you have obeyed my voice. It was Abraham's obedience that his blessing flowed. It was through his obedience 
that blessing flow. And, and you see, that the thing is, Jesus is the perfect example of what sacrifice is. This is at the root and the heart of Christianity is sacrifice and surrender. This amazing, yay thing, sur- surrendering. It's at the heart of, of uh, Christianity because of Jesus. He exemplified what this meant. He led, he is the ultimate sacrifice. See, in this series, I can see clearly now, uh, it, this whole series is really about surrender. It's actually surrendering our control, what we know and understand in, in our desires, in our relationships, and now in our call, surrendering that and actually allowing God to create new life in us. This is what this series is all about, is about surrender. It's about surrender. Will we surrender and let God control and help us and, and move us and, and give us life. But it all leads to Jesus, who uh, gave ultimate control to the Father. He gave control over to the Father, relinquishing that by dying, by giving his life. It all leads to him. He is the reason why we can do this, and he's the reason we need to do this, to continue to surrender. He is the source of it all. That Jesus showed us what it meant to surrender. But the thing is, that, that picture of surrender was also his victory. That was Jesus' victory. His, his place of surrender and laying down was also the image of victory. We have victory because of his death. We have victory because of his sacrifice. You see, Jesus' crown was a crown of thorns. His robe was, was wrapped in scars. His procession was him leading to his death. And his throne was the cross. See, when we declare Jesus' victory, we are also declaring his sacrifice for us. When we say, God, you are victorious over this situation, we're also leading through what it means to actually sacrifice and give up. And because his victory is so entrenched with sacrifice and so it, uh, when this came to my head and i realized how important this is with his victory and how connected they are every time i declare his victory i'm i'm aware that wow god maybe you're calling me to have be victorious but actually are you also calling me to sacrifice are you calling me in this moment of victory to actually surrender something Yes, Jesus rose from the dead, and that's why we uh, say that he is God. He is God because he rose from the dead, and he he was victorious from the death. Uh, And that gives us hope. That helps us to believe that we can overcome. That helps us to see that there is hope for us, but that victory always comes through the death. His victory came through death. And so, sure, this may be not may not be the most comforting thing that the victory yeah cool we're gonna be victorious but it comes through a moment of sacrifice and surrender but it when we realize this and realize the importance of what this means and this looks like that we need to continue to surrender and sacrifice some things to him it actually frees us It, it, it empowers us because when challenges come when things come our way that we can recognize and say yeah Sure, God is calling us to victory, but this is, this is what happens when we go through victory. There are moments where, that are hard, that are difficult, and that are calling us to recognize that he still reigns in the difficulty. He still has victory, even though there's something that isn't going to plan. And so, will we trust him 
we would allow what we see be transformed by how he sees. Will we get out of our heads and go after his heart? Will we trust and believe that our progress is fueled by his presence? See, the thing is, this, this sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of pressure. Like, we have to perform right now. There's a lot going on. Come on, this is a bit hard. Don't you know that I'm pretty busy? <laughs> you know, I've got a lot going on right now. This is a bit too much to, to say, Joel. Come on. There's things to do, bills to pay, work to, do- to be done. Surrendering? Really? <laughs> Thing is, this is this isn't about our performance. It's never been about how good we are. It's never been about how much we have done. But it's simply us coming to Jesus, like He says in Matthew 11. One of my favorite scriptures is, "Come to Me. Come to Me, all you that are weary and are carrying carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke, My way of doing life, upon you." And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He calls us to just actively come to him. You see, that moment this week where I was kind of stuck and felt, it was just in a simple moment of just coming to him, where my burdens got lifted. I felt lighter. So yes, this may sound like more work. Yes, this may sound like I need to perform and do things, but it actually, when we get to this place, it actually is freeing. It actually is a a moment where we feel lighter. We should be feeling freer because we're coming into his presence. If we're feeling more restricted and more held down, that's not the spirit that God is wanting you to have. That's something that you need to come against. And believe, no, no, that's not what God has called me into. He's called me to feel free. He called me to not have this anxiousness, this worry, but to actually find rest in Him. And so this call is not to feel like, oh, I need to do so much, but it's just a simple moment of realizing His presence and being free in that and allowing Him just to give us rest. a good thing yes it's an act of coming to him that's an action and it does require you to do something but that's where life can be found that's where true strength can be found so we're gonna um we're gonna look at what it means to surrender Look at what this actually means, right? This cool, this little statement of you have to surrender. Um, and so I've got kind of four things um, that I want us to do and actively kind of choose to do. And then we're going to have a moment where we just kind of come before God and surrender our, our, who we are to Him. And so uh, these, I don't have any notes for you to take home because you guys can write these notes down, okay? So here you go. These are four things. How do we surrender? What are we meant to do? You ready to write it down? Number one is to ask, what's really the most important thing to me? 
and why. That, that and why is an important thing. Number two, it'll, don't worry, it'll be out for a while. Don't worry, there's, there's up on the screen as well. Uh, is to reflect on what potential conflict do I need to be aware of? What are the conflicts that are coming up with what's most important to me? Number three is to bring that to Jesus and to allow him to lead me through his word and his spirit. And then number four is to get some help. (laughs) Good work. Everyone's just busy writing down. Uh, now l- let me just unpack what this looks like so let's consider wh- what's really the most important thing to me so we can we can say oh my family my family is so important to me uh but th- that's not enough of an answer okay that's not enough of what i want you to answer you go all right why why what is it about your family that is most important to you is it that you want your family to be successful is you want them to achieve and, and be successful in life. And I will do whatever it takes, whatever, they, whatever is necessary for them to be successful. Is that your everything? Is your whole life around kind of them being successful, them going after their dreams? And I would give up things. I, I, I probably would have an unhealthy relationship with them. I would, I would force them to do things that they may be shouldn't do because I want them to be successful. What is really the root behind your desire? That's what we need to figure out. That's what we need to go to God with and actually try and uncover. You need to be honest with yourself in these moments. Honest with what you actually believe and honest with how you actually think to recognize what do I really want? What's really important to me? So for me, it's probably more important for me that um, my family is more stress-free like, there's not a lot of worry, there's not a lot of angst at home, that if, um, if things get overly worried, that's, that's and that our family is one that uh, stays calm in the midst of the crazy. And that's probably what's, what's kind of most important for me. But the thing is, uh, me recognizing that, I then move on to the next point, is I, I identify that that could cause some conflict. That if I'm just kind of all easygoing and just going just after the, the stress-free life, then it could be a risk that I, I don't have uh, help my family to have purpose. It's a risk that I don't help my family to have that drive, that, that drive that where God is calling them. And so what's that conflict with really what's most important to me? What actually are the things that could be a detriment if I just go after this thing? If that's my everything. And so recognizing, all right, that's the things that are most important. What are some things that that are in conflict with that? And reflect on that. Actually think about it. Actually have time to and space to consider these things. And and I'm just saying family, but ultimately this is this all areas of our lives that we need to continue to learn how to surrender. And so then once I identify, all right, maybe these this is the area and if I don't, am not careful, I could lack that drive and purpose and help uh, my family in this way. Uh, but then I need to bring that to God. And this is the step we do time and time and time and time again. Because our, uh, what's important to us often is difficult to change, often difficult to mold, but that's why we keep bringing it to Jesus and keep allowing him to speak into that 
allow him to let his presence change what we think and transform us by his word. As we read the Bible, we're, we're picking up, all right, what is God saying about family life? What is he trying to lead us in? And by his spirit, as we're in having moments of prayer and reflection, allowing him to speak to us and go, get out of your head and oh, go after my heart. These things that we're allowing him to speak and help us in. And then sometimes it leads us to a, a point where we need to get some help. We actually need some accountability. We need a friend or a spouse or a pastor or, or sometimes we need some counseling to actually identify and go deeper with the things that are going on in our life. And so sometimes we just need to actually get some help because we can't just do this alone. We can't just try and figure this out by ourselves. You see, surrendering is something you identify by yourself, but transformation happens in community. Transformation happens as we come as like-minded believers and believe that God's going to transform us and, and that we're going to pray together. We're going to declare these things, that, that we're going to have friends actually keep us accountable, that are going to go, you know what, that, that you shouldn't be doing that. that they're going to speak words of truth over us. That actually, we need each other to help each other see transformation take place in our lives. So what is it for you? There are probably 20 things <laughs> plus. There's for me as well. We, you know, talking about surrender is not just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I surrendered when I followed Jesus. No, this is a lifelong journey. This is stuff we need to keep dealing with. And it just happens time and time again. Keep figuring out what, what it looks like to actually surrender our whole life. If you're here tonight and you feel like you've surrendered everything, then you probably are a bit naive. You probably need some help showing you, you probably haven't surrendered this area of your life. Um, Michaela's great. She can, you can ask her to help you in that. She's over there. Hi, Sila. Sorry, she's just waving at me. <laughs> she just walked into the room, so I just thought I'd mention her name. Why not? Um, nah, uh, yeah, we all have areas where we need to surrender, and we keep need to figuring out what are the things that are most important to me and why, and how can I let that how can I let God transform that? Rather than just taking control myself, taking my call for myself and going, I'm going after what I want, my human-powered vision of progress, that's not what God calls us. He calls us to submit to His presence, His grace. All right now we're just going to have some communion. So um, if, if you want... Uh, feel free to head to the back of the hall where the communion emblems are. This here is why we, we have the ability to surrender is just all in this sacrifice. When we, rem when we partake in communion, we are remembering his sacrifice and it actually is the thing that gives us that life. It is... We are justified freely because of his grace. We have the ability to know what true grace is and acceptance and love because of the sacrifice. And uh, I was reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Cost of Discipleship this, this morning, and um, uh, there's a chapter on the saints, and it's just, it's probably the most beautifully put together few pages of what justification means. If you don't know what that is, it's just another Christianese word that basically means 
that we're righteous, that we're actually considered all good because of Jesus. Like, it's not in our performance. It's not in how good we are. But it's simply that Jesus has made a way. And so I just, I, I wanted to read this. It's a bit longer. But I thought it just perfectly summed up what we have in Jesus. It says it, It is necessary for the sinner to be parted, to be separate from sin and still live before God in order for us to to be connected with God. We need to be separated from sin. But so closely is his life identified with sin that the only way in which that can be achieved is by dying. That is to say, the only way for God to maintain his righteousness is by putting the sinner to death. The problem is, how can the sinner live and be holy before God? This problem is solved by God himself, becoming man, taking upon him our flesh in his son Jesus Christ and in his body bearing our flesh to the death of the cross. In other words, by putting his own son, the bearer of our flesh, to death, he puts to death all flesh on earth. But when we are brought to faith in the death of Christ, we receive the righteousness of God, triumphant on the cross, in the very place where we receive our condemnation as sinners. We can then receive justification because we willingly renounce every attempt to establish our own righteousness and allow God alone to be righteous. Thus, the only way we can be righteous in the sight of God is by recognizing that he alone, he only, is righteous. And we ourselves, sinners, in in totality of our being. 